1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: This podcast contains themes and descriptions some listeners may find disturbing. Content warnings are available in the show description.
3: A solitary female seeks a mate for procreation, for company, or often just to engage in mutual sexual pleasure. And so, she heads to the traditional breeding grounds of... ..the dating app. Using the subtle strokes of her opposable thumbs, our seeker scrolls for hours in search of a partner. One profile catches the eye. Jojo, 32, from Ipswich. They have a dog, love to cook, and have no time for people who don't reply. And so begins a dance as old as time. After several attempts at wit are typed and then deleted, our enterprising paramour instead opts to ask the name of the dog. An agonising wait ensues. The female perches, deadly still. Then a sudden vibration heralds a reply. The dog's name is Thor. A shared appreciation of Marvel films is established. Success, the prospect of copulation beckons.
4: Welcome to that podcast, an audio storytelling project that sees writers, comedians, musicians, scientists, journalists, and everyday people from all walks of life, tell tales of the extraordinary and the everyday to make sense of the world that we all live in. I'm your host, Desiree Birch. In today's episode, that podcast, in which we look at rituals, relationships, sex, and bodies, and which is definitely NSFW, so don't listen to this with your kids, we are going to don our best khaki pants and get our Attenborough on as we prepare to venture, bold explorers, into the world of sex, bodies, relationships, and ritual.
5: We can now begin the journey to climate.
4: Knob, dick. Willy,
6: Winky.
2: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Just you and your breath. Go away. Yeah. (laughs) One metre away from me.
6: Uh, The bald-headed mouse. My wife's best friend, Percy. (sighs) Oh, fuck this. They said this was a not suitable for work episode. So why
7: the hell am I hiding behind a metaphor? My husband helped me get dressed for the party by tying some rope around my chest in a kind of like a sexy harness.
3: The pink lighthouse that wants to draw you onto its rocks was one of my favorite ones.
8: Like the couple who checks each other's belly button fuzz at night. They made a little game out of it, and then when belly button fuzz wasn't there, they put some there for the other to find.
6: (laughs) Jack the Dripper, Rumpel Foreskin. I think what it really gave me the opportunity to do was to really take things a lot slower than I usually would, and that's really
4: nice for a change, actually. So I'm a comedian and I work in theater and public speaking and something else that often gets mentioned about me is that I also used to work as a professional dominatrix, which I did not do for long enough to feel like it merits the amount of attention that it gets in the media, but I do think that people are interested in that work and I am very happy to talk about it, at least to the ability of my experience. The thing that too often gets left out from that fact about my life, though, is that while I was working as a pro-dom, I was also a virgin. I was a late bloomer, so by the time I left Yale University, I still hadn't had sex. But being the overachieving, book-smart kid that I was, I decided that I was going to learn everything I could about it in preparation for that magical moment. I was going to observe it like the Jane Goodall of dicks. Plus... I needed a job. So there I was in a Midtown dungeon, stomping on people's dicks and telling them to then jack off in many cases, which to me, I'm still like... I can't believe that I got you to pay me for you to jerk yourself off. Like that's the most free thing there is in the world. And you just paid me a couple of bills for it. But you know, I was learning a lot about kink and fetish and bodies and the wide palette of men's sexual desires before I actually really learned very much about my own. Don't worry, everybody. I have had plenty of sex and meaningful relationships since that time. Anyway. What I'm saying is that I do remember a time when I was encountering sex from observation, basically, like I was some sort of natural biologist, like my very own Sir David Attenborough experience, and it was truly fascinating. I mean, my God, who doesn't love an Attenborough documentary? But the best bits of them, though, are him talking about animal mating rituals. Just this delightful, sweet national treasure, watching cute animals absolutely going at it. It's through Attenborough that we have learned that flamingos put on makeup when they're feeling horny, and that pufferfish create beautiful art to try and attract a mate, and that the red-capped mannequin goes dancing when they feel like getting it on. Any of this ringing a bell for anybody else? Sometimes I think that Sir David Attenborough needs to do a nature documentary on people, and all of our elaborate ass mating rituals because we really do get into some out there kind of stuff sometimes. And that's not a modern phenomenon. We have always been kind of gloriously obsessed with mating rituals. In the 19th century, Austrian women allegedly used to tuck apple slices in their armpits at dances. And after a long evening of sweaty dancing, they would take out the apple slice from their smelly pits and give it to the guy that they fancied oh yeah crunch of that yes golden delicious russia has a procreation day where everybody is actively encouraged by the government to screw and have babies and if you do happen to have a child nine months later there are prizes and awards imagine vladimir putin telling you to get your freak on which is absolutely terrifying and that picture of him on the horse unfortunately not helping We've still got all sorts of rules and rituals around dating and mating, whether that's for the big stuff like engagements, weddings, births, or the smaller stuff like swiping left and right, leaving the right amount of time between texts, choosing the right emojis, couples' date nights, all that kind of stuff. But of course, in March 2020, everything got canceled. Weddings canceled, dates canceled, fucking around canceled, my love life, Well, honestly, it was just mostly sad hookups, but eh, that's another story. Look, all of the regular structures of relationship life cancelled.
2: Yeah, so the pandemic's been really hard. I mean, I turned 40 in October last year, so I had set myself this target of actually before I hit 40, I want to start meeting someone. And that was the idea. And obviously the pandemic hit And the whole time I just felt really anxious, really worried and, you know, just thinking I'm going to lose like a chunk out of my life. I mean, I really thought I would meet somebody at least by 40 and be able to have kids by the time I'm 42 or something. I'm now going to be 41
4: this year. So, you know, it's just where has the time gone? It's been really hard. So what happened next? In this episode, we're going to hear how couples negotiated each other in lockdown or, you know, didn't. How singles navigated dating in a pandemic. What it's been like for young adults to have their first romantic and sexual explorations interrupted. What it means that more and more people are interacting with porn and online sex work. And how the world of sex work is changing in response. And, you know, what is going on in the world of kink these days? We're going to get into all of the dirty details on how attitudes around sex have changed due to the events of 2020 and 2021, and more importantly, what changes we all want to see in the future. All I'm going to say is that for now, I sincerely hope that on the other side of all of this, we get a hashtag I am trending on social media. That is going to make sense by the end of this episode. So let's kick off with act one, where we wear the invisibility sweater. For me, I was one of the ones who went into the first lockdown in March 2020 single and living by myself. Getting into dating during the pandemic was definitely a weird process, but it worked a treat because I met my partner on an online dating app, which I never thought was actually going to work. And it did, like gangbusters, because we had to wait a clean month to actually see each other. And when we saw each other, it was from at least a two-meter distance. And it was like all the repression of Victorian sexuality brought into the 21st century, and by the time we could, we completely devoured each other, and it felt so earned, satisfied, and worth it. For those who were in relationships, things were very different, too.
7: Hello, Desiree. My name is uh, Celia A.B. I am a French-Algerian comedian who moved to Birmingham willingly.
4: Part of the reason that we're talking is due to your relationship. I've met myself a uh,
7: beautiful American-Slovenian boy who lives in London. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, we met in a... Well, I like to say in my set that we met the British way in the sense that we had a one-night stand and then we just kept going. Yep. So... March hit last year and we were Mm -hmm. separated for the first bit of lockdown. I was always terrified of being alone. And when you're confronted with the fact that, okay, you're going to have to be alone, you're going to have to make it work. Mm -hmm. I really worked on myself. So I was working out a lot, never looked better in my life than April 2020, but no one saw it. I was reading. I really like watching old films Like
4: I pick a director and then I watch everything they've done. What I'm hearing is that you had said, hey, I'm going to dedicate myself to a physical practice. I'm going to really focus on my own craving for this person for comfort and Mm -hmm. actually learn how to sit with myself.
7: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think one of the things as well that really helped me is that at the beginning of lockdown, I left social media. It made me think that social media is making us so scared to be alone. Mm. with our thoughts and I really mm-hmm. think that when you're just left with yourself and all your experiences and all the stuff that you haven't processed necessarily, yeah. by the time I reunited with my partner, I felt like I had this big backpack of stuff that I'd thought of and stuff that I'd remembered and stuff that I could share with him. I almost was bringing this new person into the relationship.
4: Hi, I'm uh,
2: Dr. Zafar Iqbal and I'm married to Hipsa Iqbal. I can speak for myself. Thank you, darling. Why
8: did you go first? What happened to ladies first? Honestly. Okay, so my name's Hipsa Harunik Iqbal. I'm married to Zafar Iqbal, and how have we survived lockdown? Zafar and I have actually been married for 32 years. Um, and I think it's the first time that we've actually had such a long stretch of time. Living on our own.
0: Oh, on the positive side, it's been really good. We've been doing a lot more walks, which we'd never
5: used to do. I've learned how to use the washing machine, which I've never, well, I can't turn it
8: off. But I can, <laughs> <You're right.
5: laughs> but I can take the stuff out after 30 years. I know how to take the stuff
8: out. He knows how to open the door to the washing and, machine. Uh, You've uh, learned I've, how to make pizza. Yeah, I've managed how to make pizza, and my pizza is quite famous. It's even mentioned in a cookery book. So I've learned quite a few new skills whilst we have had the lockdown. It's amazing, so many things in life that we take for granted. I think over the last 12 months, you know, we've become a lot more appreciative of... It's been a horrible time for so many people, quite a tragic time for people as well. But I think we've been extremely, extremely fortunate having each other.
9: I think in our house, sex is currency
6: oh yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I'll second that
9: <laughs> I think that it's an unspoken rule now and game that it's just like I've got this to do so if you can do this with the cleaning and the laundry and the bedtime reading then your bedtime's going to be really fun I
6: think <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping a note of all this
9: But I think that has enhanced our sex life. Mm -hmm. You're blushing. Mm
1: -hmm. Thank God for audio.
9: (laughs) (laughs) I love knowing you're working downstairs and I'll just put on some nice lingerie and come down and surprise you and tell you to meet me before school's over or something. And that's different for us because I would usually be gone in those daytime hours. And I think, yeah, we've added that fun and we've had to in a way. Our love is getting stronger, our bond is stronger. And I said to you, my orgasms are stronger. It's just been
4: a crazy growth period for us. So why are rituals so important when we're trying to navigate other people? I thought to understand it better, I talked to an expert about it. So I went to Dr. Carol Brees for some academic insight so i am a relationship social scientist who studies
8: teaches about what i call the microdynamics of healthy relationships and i'm super passionate about investigating what creates and sustains thriving, healthy relationships across the spectrum. I mean, from marriage to romantic relationships, friendships, neighbors, even
4: colleagues. I love the way that you kind of set up this world. You first define relationships as these mini-universes, whether it's a relationship of two, whether it's a family relationship, whatever it is, it is its own universe, and it has its own rules, its own language, and rituals. You know, cultural anthropologists and theologians and historians
8: were the first ones to study ritual. They documented Throughout history, how rituals perform a unifying function in religions and yeah. societies and cultures. And and when you think about it, people are drawn to rituals because they give them comfort. At the core, they're predictable. Yeah. Almost like you know, a warm hug, right? Yeah. Rituals are all about meaning. We create the meaning, no one else does. So, for instance, that tree that you're walking by might be just a tree to you, right? Oh, yeah. nice looking tree, whatever. But to me, that tree is the place where I sprinkle my widow's ashes. And now my family mm-hmm. gathers around it every year to pay homage. Yeah, It's a place of ritual. Yeah. And so this fascinates me. Rituals and participating in them helps people in relationships feel like they are a part of something bigger than themselves. And it changed the way I looked at relationships to see them as these little mini universes where you get to construct your own meaning. You and the other member or members, you get to decide what's important. You get to decide what rituals you want to create. What stories do you want to tell? Maybe it's all right let's every thursday evening play animal crossing together or let's binge watch Shit's creek yeah but it's about intentionally doing these things and the less expensive the less time consuming the less massive often the better because they're the ones that are going to be sustainable
4: yeah of course
8: like maybe it's you call your aging mother every morning for five minutes on your drive to work. Yeah. Or you and your partner commit to hugging for the count of 20 every day when the workday's over.
4: Yeah.
8: Or you intentionally say to your family, all right, during dinner every night, now that we're all together, we're all going to say out loud two things about this day that went well and one thing we'd like to be different next week. Those yeah. Are profound rituals for your mini cultures. And I've had the chance to interview couples over the last 30 years and they share the most beautiful and sometimes what others would describe as disgusting rituals of connection.
1: Mm-hmm.
8: But it doesn't matter what other people think. No. Like the couple who checks each other's belly button fuzz at night, they made a little game out of it, and then mm. when belly button fuzz wasn't there, they put some there for the other to find. <laughs> And you know, it's funny, Desiree, another couple many years later shared the same story, but they kept the fuzz in a
4: little jar as a keepsake. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Um, I love how disgusting love is. Right?
8: I mean, I had other couples share that they loved squeezing the zits on each other's behinds.
4: No, that's just satisfying. If it works (laughs) for you, right? Speaking of specific rituals, I would love it if you could tell our listeners a little bit more about the invisibility sweater. Yes. So our research in the field of relationships has
8: long documented a core, what we call dialectical opposition. It exists in every relationship, and it's this need for both autonomy and mm-hmm. connection,
4: mm-hmm. the we
8: and the me. Yeah. So we enter quarantine and navigating that autonomy and connection was very tricky for a lot of couples, especially couples who lived in small spaces, right, or had children. So one couple that I talked to, I know, outside of formal studies, so just anecdotal, Yeah. shared their strategy. It's one they developed early in COVID during work from home orders. So they live in a very small apartment, and they started to get really irritated. So one of them offered the most simple, creative, no-cost, and maybe relationship-saving proposal. I haven't followed up with them. That they each just pick a sweatshirt or sweater that they already have, and they formally declare it as their personal invisibility cloak. When you see the other person with it on, you have to pretend they are invisible. You don't say hello. Hello. You don't even look their way because they're invisible. Mm -hmm. This is a ritual. What this couple did was intentionally create a temporary solution to a core relationship dilemma. Yeah. I I have to tell you, a a dear friend of mine is an amazing relationship therapist. And she shared this great example. She and her husband started this little gratitude notebook, just a spiral-bound notebook. And they just... Because, I mean, they were... Ships crossing in the night, I think one child they had was in the hospital, and Mm. his mother was dying, and they just started writing down things they admired and appreciated about the other, and she said it literally got them through their marriage through that time. Yeah. One of the things that everybody's wondering is, what's next, right? Yeah. There's this weird liminal space of, we're starting to re-enter this thing that thought was normal before, right? And so one of the things I would say is to write yourself a little sticky note and stick it wherever you can see it every day and remind yourself that love isn't an emotion. It's an action. It's a choice. We have to wake up every day and decide to like each other. Decide, all right, How are we going to do the labor to make this work? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the
3: professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a
8: new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me.
3: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
4: For singles, a lot of the past year has been about navigating barriers to intimacy. For couples, there's been a lot of negotiating shared lives, shared spaces and all the little rituals that keep relationships going so that you don't stab each other in the face (laughs) again. Both feel like tricky sides of a coin that nobody ever asked for. So here with a glimpse into both ends of the spectrum is a beautiful creative response to the topic of loneliness, relationships, and shared space by eminent playwright Ella Hickson.
1: Imagine a space, a square, drawn out in white chalk on dark ground. Into this space put four people. The walls are as wide and tall as the floor and the ceiling. Four people have lived almost continuously inside this cube for nearly a year. The cumulative shitting, sweating, the amount of sound released excretions, spit, sex, snot, tears of joy, and other. In nine months, four people shed 432 million skin cells. It's enough time to make a new life, but instead, dead skin. That's a horse in weight of sloughed skin, wasted, accruing around the ankles to be waded through. This is the schooling area, the eating area, the fucking area, the detailed analysis of contracts, area, the hushed phone call to anyone who will listen, area, this is the place where you have to explain to kids about sickness and death, about violence and threat. This is where you're meant to sit and eat dinner together, every night. This is where you go to bed and feel the grace of your partner as they understand without needing to ask that you don't need to be touched anymore today. This is the shouting so loud you scare yourself, let alone anyone else area. She sits on the toilet with the lid down and her jeans still on and one foot on the door so it can be forced open if a small person really needs her. She holds her phone between her right ear and shoulder and holds an even smaller person with her left arm and right hand to her left breast. She listens. She listens. She presses her foot a little harder to the door to block out the sound of the house. And she listens to the silence and the space on the other end of the phone. At the other end,
2: her best friend inhales very slowly and confesses to not having been touched by another human in over a year. Our toilet listener can hear the silence. And the damage that that silence has done.
1: After an amount of time that neither of them could have estimated had they been asked afterwards, the friend on the other end laughs suddenly. <laughs> <laughs> what? Says our toilet sitter. He offered me a bite of a sandwich... <laughs> This guy, on a first date, I jog on the opposite side of the road from old people to keep them safe as if I take a half-eaten sandwich from the hand of a guy I just met. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's okay. Do you need to go? No. Not yet. It's okay that you didn't want to take the sandwich. That's okay, considering. <laughs> well, what's funny? Oh, he keeps biting me.
1: I fucked him. I wouldn't share the sandwich. That's I'd never go into a stranger's house. I'd never fuck a stranger. I know. Always stay between him and the door and never fall asleep or take your clothes off in case.
2: But you slept with him. In
1: his house (laughs) (laughs) A total stranger.
2: Don't bang on the door, please.
1: Wait! Do you need to come?
2: No. Go on
1: didn't let him put his arm around me on the pavement, even though he was trying to get me out of the traffic. No-one wants to get run over, but you don't know where that arm hand has been. And then it's on your coat, and then you hang your coat up, and then you've touched that bit that he touched. But if you slept with him... And the next morning when he offered me the other half of his croissant, didn't take it. Hmm. Bumped elbows to say goodbye. Wash my hands when I got home.
2: But you... <laughs> Wait! Please! Mummy is on the toilet. Will you wait? I should go. No, don't go. Tell me more stuff. Please stop doing that. You're hurting mummy's foot. I should. It's Tell me something else. Um,
1: we met in the afternoon for a walk. Then we went to his. Yeah.
2: And Was it good? Yeah.
1: Then... I don't think either of us has really seen anyone for weeks. We just lay there, chattered. Are you Mm. okay?
5: Yeah. I, that hurt mummy's foot!
2: I'm angry. Do you hear me? I was holding your brother and that is dangerous. Do you hear me? I need to go. I'm sorry. That's no. Oh,
0: that's, um, it's fine. Go, go. Speak soon. That was far too loud.
2: I'm sorry.
4: That was Lair by Ella Hickson. Now we've arrived at a place where we've gotten better insight into how ritual and relationship interact, and how that's all shifted over the last year. But if we really want to Attenborough this one, we gotta get deeper. Which takes us into Act 2, where we start getting sexy.
3: The new potential mate arrives on the scene time for the male to put on a display. He begins by shifting his weight from one leg to the other. Gradually, he brings his arms into play, raising them up to his abdomen in a bold display of bravado and panache. As a gradual thrusting hip motion is added into this complex dance, the male makes eye contact with his quarry. is a key stage of the courtship ritual. But sadly the prospective mate's response is less than amorous as they turn away and without a second glance walk off to the toilets. The male retreats, defeated, off to sink a pint and then try again with someone else in another 20 minutes. After all these hunting grounds are teeming with possibilities. There is hope for this young contender yet.
4: So let's talk about the internet and sex. Sex and the internet sitting in a tree. That that doesn't make any sense. Okay, look. Obviously, during the pandemic, some people looked for affection and attention and sexual frisson online, between Hinge and Bumble and Tinder and Grinder and Scruff and FetLife and plenty of whatever, there are a ton of ways to start up a conversation with a stranger who thinks your selfies are hot. And then there's porn, of course. Sites like Pornhub unsurprisingly saw their traffic shoot up over the last year, and because obviously, people started searching for COVID porn. As early as April last year, there were already over 9.1 million searches on Pornhub alone for coronavirus-related porn. Slovakia searched for COVID porn 119% more than any other country in the world because they're playing it super safe. But for real... I think a lot of us have spent more time scrolling listlessly through porn this year than ever before. And sometimes, just to be real, the shit you click on can make you ask yourself whether you are a liberated feminist who can enjoy a sexual fantasy, even if it has some questionable politics at its heart, because whatever, it's just porn, right? Or if you might actually secretly hate yourself. Like... It feels harder and harder to unpick whether the heteronormativity and misogyny of most mainstream porn is a reflection of actual demand. Maybe what people really want is 101 videos of stepsisters cotton dryers, or whether maybe our sexual tastes and preferences are being misrepresented and manipulated by big porn, you know, the big commercial giants of the pornography industry. Luckily, Here with the answer to all of your problems is Alyssa and Jun Yi with the solution to all porn. Alyssa's Choose Your Own Porn Adventure.
5: Alyssa's Choose Your Own Porn Adventure. Not suitable for small or medium-sized children, house pets, house plants, or household appliances, or the dinosaurs because they're extinct. Yes, it's very sad. Hi, I'm Alyssa, and welcome to my interactive thought-provoking, and very sexy choose-your-own-porn-adventure.
2: Ooh.
5: Ooh, indeed. Today, I'll be taking you on an empowering journey to titillate the senses. Think of me as your porn-fairy godmother, except... Not a fairy, because I don't need a wand to make my dreams come true. Many other toys can suffice. Not a god, because God's a man. And not a mother, because if I can kill three cactuses in a row, I don't think I'm in any position to be looking after a baby. Plus, did you know women don't have to have babies if they don't want to? It's a new fact. See? We're all learning something new today. So, in this session, I'll be giving you a helping hand with getting in touch with that part of our body that sometimes it's very hard to feel a connection with in any meaningful way. Yes, you guessed it. It's the mind. The mind, the mind, the mind, the mind, the mind, the mind, the mind. Are you lying comfortably? Good. Let's begin. I want you to start by taking a few deep breaths, closing your eyes, and focusing on what your body is really saying to you right now. What does your body need? Maybe it needs to be pushed and punished and slapped like a fish and thrown out the window. Maybe it needs some TLC to be caressed by strong, loving arms but make it feel safe and held. Maybe your body needs to start eating proper dinners instead of value multi-packs of prawn crackers. (laughs) I fucking love prawn crackers. Have I topped up the electricity? You should feel very, very... Your mind is so uncluttered right now. Now you know what you're in the mood for. Together we can work on imagining the right porn adventure for you. Choose your own adventure. First, let's pick a location, indoors or outdoors. Is it somewhere you know? Maybe it's behind that dirty, dirty dumpster next to your local chippy that got shut down due to health and safety violations. Ooh, naughty. Maybe it's the hotel bathroom at your cousin's wedding with an open balcony overlooking the whole of Paris. Maybe it's a castle dungeon with whips and chains and a secret passageway leading to an underground cave filled with gold and a sleeping dragon. Hmm, and now i said this adventure was for you to design, but hmm, might I suggest... Humble Suggestion Regardless of how you look at it, the porn industry is incredibly problematic. And the biggest problem lurking within this media we all so readily consume, a problem much bigger than the propagation of racial stereotypes, the capitalism and patriarchy inherent within any money-making system, and the potential abuse of sex workers both on and off screen, is that how do I even begin? Okay, brace yourself. In porn, the production values are absolutely terrible. Hashtag not all porn, but also most porn. Maybe this is a question of taste, but is taste a question? You really either have it or you don't. So please allow me to direct you a bit, because I deserve more. (laughs) I mean, you deserve more, okay? (sighs) Say it with me. Invest. In. Yourself. This is not just porn. This is M&S porn. Uh. Back to your location. Let's go slow. Elaborate the plot. Savour the detail. Okay, there's a sofa. Is it a shitty one off Gumtree? Or a velvet one from Jean-Louis? And what does that say about the characters? Do they even like this sofa? How did they procure this sofa? Did they pay for it together, split the money evenly, or was it a birthday present? A well-chosen prop or setting can tell us so much about the complex human relationships driving the heart of this sexual story opting for candles and lamps instead of harsh lighting, lowering that in-your-face saturation and populating the barren, stark surfaces with some signs that this porn set is a place where people actually live serve to make the setting all the more inviting and will only enhance your porn adventure experience. Step two. Next question, what are you wearing? As you listen to this podcast, what are you wearing right now? No, silly. I mean, in your head. I'm wearing a kimono. Not because I'm trying to emulate an outdated stereotype that sees East Asian women as exotic and submissive, but because I like wearing a kimono. And I can wear whatever the hell I want to. That doesn't mean I'm asking for it. It's Except in this case, a kind of am. <laughs> Let's not make this too political. This is all about catering to our unique individual and primal needs. In this process, we will relax, release. And accept ourselves, no matter what we uncover. Back to the kimono. Well, all that, uncover. I love the feeling of silky satin against bare skin. The fact it could just, oops, slip off at any moment to reveal the boxer shorts with little berries on I'm wearing underneath. Oh, look, my partner is wearing one too. Oh, wait. That's not a kimono. We're wearing robes. We're all wearing robes. Dark brown robes. We're in the Death Star and we're all Jedis. How did I end up here? Well, we're here now. And you're here with me. Isn't it amazing the places the mind can take you to? You know what? Star Wars really makes me think about my brother what he's up to step three time to experiment this is the fun part dialogue take the lead by saying something super sexy maybe something like oh obi-wan i've never seen a lightsaber before it's so long and hard just like the awful day i've just had oh Alyssa, I'm sorry you've had such a long, hard day. Let me take care of you tonight. No, no, you can just lie there. Relax, darling. I'll do the dishes. Dishes, dishes. If what comes up surprises you, just embrace it. If you're still thinking about your brother, it's fine. That's probably a sound scientific explanation. And maybe you don't find washing up sexy. But this is a non-judgment zone, OK? I live alone, so someone helping with the housework would be very welcome. Maybe we'd listen to music and light a candle while we did it. I live alone. OK, uh, that's enough foreplay. Step Characters. Picture someone. Dead or alive. That we've done that. Wine, dark chocolate, kimchi, avocado. No, that's a shopping list. Here we are. We have now arrived at a state of deep relaxation and unified body and mind. We can now begin The Journey to Climax. This is your time. This is all about you. It's time to get down. Mm, Get deep. Yes. Connect with your inner truth. Focus on your desires. Focus on yourself, you queen. Focus on... Ugh, your personal development. What did our session bring up that you can reflect deeper on? You're Princess Leia and you've been very, very banned. You're in some weird gold slave chain. Ah! Ooh, that's... Are you comfortable you've with... You've got some... Indian bangles around your feet. Some vaguely Arabian music is playing. Again, I feel that's culturally questionable. Back to the death star. I'd like to deconstruct this a little. Obi-Wan's telling me how bad I am. And he's... Triggered. And he's... Triggered. I'm Princess Leia. And I've been very, very... You are bad. So bad. You're a terrible person. You're literally wanking to female oppression. Plus... Why is everyone here white? I thought representation was kind of your thing. This whole scenario isn't very on brand I'm very, very bad. Yes, you are. You're a racist. Sometimes your mind will say things to you. But if trauma emerges, just block it out. Know that you are on a path Mm, that is beautiful and unique and natural. Uh, And you shouldn't be ashamed to explore this by yourself. Mm, more Jedis. In fact, you should get used to exploring things by
8: yourself.
5: Let's be honest, you live alone. Have you ever thought about the fact you might have trust and intimacy issues? If all else fails, just focus on Obi-Wan. You know old men with beards always do it for you. I don't know which Obi-Wan you're currently picturing, but... Yeah, I'm not talking about you and McGregor Okay That would be um, the more obvious okay. choice But I'm nearly there Do you mm. think She's just... a bit oh. too old God just curious as to where this preference came <laughs> from He's holding me in his big strong arms And his eyes have seen the centre of the universe I don't think obi one was your first childhood crush though You were really into old men I fear it. It's because they're wise. He's so wise, okay? You really oh, like oh, men who can teach you. He has a beard. <laughs> teach me. Do you remember? You were obsessed with accent. And he has an accent. Oh, Obi-Wan. No, no, he wasn't your first crush. And he's counting me to oblivion. You had a crush on. Oh,
8: oh,
6: oh, 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 oh. Well,
5: Paris. <sighs> oh, okay. Well, that just happened. Now you have reached the end of your of, choose your own porn. Normally I would ask for feedback, but shall we leave it there? Do you go follow me on Instagram. I'm always sharing inspiring sex and relationship advice to help everybody live their most wholesome, moral and re- socially responsible best life. Bye-bye now. Until next time, I hope you feel good. Great.
4: I know I do. Alyssa is a performance artist, playwright, and comedian, and a liberated feminist who is honest enough to admit that sometimes our sexual instincts can be difficult to unpick. Industry estimates imply that about a third of the UK's whole population watches porn. That's 20 to 25 million people in the UK. So maybe it's time that we stop pretending like it doesn't exist. I mean, Jesus, I don't want to sound like one of those, won't anyone think of the children types? But teenagers are growing up with porn in a way that they never have before. So can we at least make sure that it is safe and body positive and sex positive, LGBTQ plus friendly, inclusive porn rather than a a terrifyingly aggressive in your face onslaught of warped beauty standards, racism and gender stereotypes that normalizes questionably consensual sexual behavior. and For some strange reason, so much incest? Because, ah, won't anyone think of the children? A BBFC report recently surveyed a group of 16 and 17-year-olds and their parents about the porn habits of British teenagers. And surprise, surprise, obviously loads of teenagers are watching porn. Half of those teens surveyed admitted to watching porn, and you know a lot of the other ones lied. Meanwhile, their parents, bless their sweet, innocent little hearts, overwhelmingly said that they didn't think that their kids were watching porn. Only 25% were brave enough to admit the truth to themselves and the world. And almost every parent to a teenage girl said that if those girls had seen porn, it was probably by accident, whereas boys were suspected of seeking it out for sexual pleasure because obviously women don't discover they even have a vagina until they're 25 and they don't get pleasure until right before menopause anyway. But really, girls and boys said that they are watching porn because that's where they're learning about sex. And the sex that they're learning about in schools is wildly inadequate because it focuses way too much on contraception and not very much at all on the act of sex itself and what to actually do if and when you find yourself lucky enough to be having some. These kids, on the whole, just go to the well-known mainstream porn sites – And then just click on whatever's on the front page. They don't even know what to search for. Oh, children, please let me help you. So the algorithms governing what makes it to the front page of big porn sites have a huge influence on what teens actually see. And according to the survey, these teens do feel like this has an influence on how they behave in sexual encounters as well as on their own body image. Because not every woman looks like that. She gets paid a lot to bleach all of those bits and make sure there isn't hair there which explains why so many guys tried choking you out before you hit them in the face and tell them, don't do that to me or anyone else without asking ever again. Don't just start choking a bitch, you don't know her. It seems to me like a no-brainer that you can't stop teens from being curious about sex and wanting to look at porn. But maybe what we can influence is making the industry better both for consumers and for the people who are working in it, right? Let's just make it all healthier especially for a generation whose sexual development has just had a huge COVID-sized wrench thrown into it.
6: I'm a second-year student at the University of Bristol. I started the pandemic in one long-term relationship, which ended because of it. I don't think that the previous relationship would have ended as abruptly as it did if the pandemic didn't come around. A lot of the superficial things that perhaps distracted us usually from assessing whether or not the relationship was working, uh, was no longer there. You know, you can't go chocolate making, so all you do is talk to each other essentially over the phone. And we realized that maybe consciously we couldn't stand each other. Um, Funnily enough, I've kind of found someone again, and once again I'm in a relationship. Meeting online is, you know, there's a stigma attached, I think, but the pandemic has lifted that stigma in a way because it's forced everyone to do it online. I think what it really gave me the opportunity to do was to really take things a lot slower than I usually would. And that's really nice for a change, actually. We agreed that if we met and the first date went terribly, if we bugger it, <laughs> essentially, we would definitely give each other a second chance just to try again, because we already enjoyed each other's company online so much.
0: A few months ago, a friend told me that he'd put up a picture of his dick on a subreddit, which was meant for strangers to rate other strangers' penises. And that was something really new to me. Um, I grew up in a conservative family, and so my values and ideas of sex and sexuality aren't uh, the most open I grew up with. Tons of body image issues, I hadn't really sent nudes and I hadn't really ever sexted with people even if I was in a relationship with them because I was always super shy and taught that sexuality and sex is something to be ashamed about but because it was a pandemic I knew I wasn't going to meet anyone anytime soon and so I was like why not and uh, Reddit is hugely anonymous because most people don't put up their name on their profiles and so I thought I might as well give it a go. One of them even told me about another subreddit called uh, Normal Nudes, which is what they say is a library of what real human bodies look like because so much of our understanding of what the naked human body looks like comes from porn and those are really not real people's bodies as I would find out uh, when I went on this subreddit because there is no cookie cutter mold that fits the human body and there are bodies of all kinds with all sorts of marks and scars and folds so when I saw people sharing their nudes on it and then other people talking about those bodies in a non-sexual way to make them realize that their bodies are normal I was so intrigued and I thought I wanted to be a part of this And so for the first time in my life I took a picture of my naked body and posted it on a forum with 30,000 members. So someone who's barely ever sent nudes to a single person in her life before did this. And I could think of my mother's words in my head saying, you know, a woman shouldn't even be naked completely when she's having a bath. So this was really huge for me. But all the comments I got about uh, how beautiful and completely normal my body is and how even though I said I'm at my heaviest and I feel shitty about my body there was nothing wrong with it and that really helped me change my relationship with my own body and to accept it as it is but also to sort of demystify this idea around sex and sexuality being something that you should be ashamed of or that is dirty or that should be talked about in whispers I feel like just being restricted to our own homes during the pandemic gave me so much desire to connect with people.
4: Sex can be a way of discovering yourself and a way of belonging in the universe. How much has this last year shifted people's romantic and sexual explorations onto WhatsApp and Snapchat? And how is that changing people's perceptions of themselves and their bodies? This takes us to the end of part one of today's episode. So, with questions around body image, porn, and the sex industry in our minds, let's head into part two, where we go deeper into the world of dick pics, getting in touch with yourself, how the sex industry works, and why we need to improve workers' rights, and what kink and fetish has to do with any of it. Are you ready? See you in part two.
2: Part one of That Podcast, in which we look at rituals, relationships, sex and bodies, and which is definitely not safe for work, so don't listen with your kids, was hosted by Desiree Birch, and featured Celia A.B., Carol Brees, Luke Kempner as David Attenborough and contributions from members of the public. Leia was written by Ella Hickson, A. was played by Jodie Mcnee. B. was played by Priska Bacare. The Husband by Toby Bacare and The Child by Isaac Bacare. It was directed by Sasha Wears with sound design by Gareth Fry and music by Adrian Lee. Alyssa's Choose Your Own Porn Adventure was written and performed by Alyssa Ann Jun Yee and directed by Jennifer Baxt with sound design by Helen Atkinson. The host script was written by Jennifer Baxt and Desiree Birch. Full series production credits are available in the show description. That podcast is a Storyglass and ETT co-production.